Welcome to the Life Church Sermon Podcast. We're a church based in North Dallas with a desire to help people love God, love people, and make a difference. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. The man asked me a week ago to speak tonight, and the Lord had already kind of dropped a seed in my lap. And the sub- subject of breaking stuff got in my mind. And my dad would tell you that I could. I could break rocks, just carry them around in my pocket when I was little. And he's accused me of that publicly on more than one occasion. And, and, and so, you know, breaking stuff is kind of fun. Except for when I'm it. My sisters call me crash and burn. So sometimes I'm the breaker and sometimes I'm the breaky. But I found a pattern in the scripture that I would like to share with you. Pattern breaking. And hopefully by the end of the night, maybe we'll see some things in ourselves and find where we are in the process and be able to embrace that and be encouraged in the moment. I'm going to read from Psalms chapter 51, verse starting in verse 16. The scripture says, You do not delight in sacrifice, or I would bring it. You do not take pleasure in burnt offerings. My sacrifice, O God, is a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. You, God, will not despise. May it please you to prosper Zion and to build up the walls of Jerusalem. Then you will delight in the sacrifices of the righteous and burnt offerings and then bulls will be offered on your altar you can be seated that word then in this passage is is a very very powerful thing and know that chapter 51 of the book of psalms is that moment in david's life where nathan has come to him and pointed his bony finger at the king And made him understand that he was a man of sin, about to be judged by God. David was broken in the moment, and he writes this, this psalm based upon this conversation that he has with God. And at the end, what we read was the last few verses of this this prayer of repentance of David's. And and he says, he says here, he goes through the arguments and and the negotiation and he gets to the point if sacrifice would do it I'd give it and what he meant by that is my stuff what I can do if David could have brought a thousand bulls to an altar to have them slaughtered before God and offered up as a burnt offering David had the thousand bulls in his possession flocks of sheep he could have brought Doves in in untold number he could have brought to the moment. But David understood that what David has was not what God was looking for. There was something else that had to turn. A broken heart. A broken spirit. A broken and a contrite heart. Crushed. A A better word for contrite would be crushed. It's almost as if to say a broken and broken heart is what God was looking for. 
And then the scripture says, then, when I get my heart right, then I can bring a thousand bulls. And, the, and you'll be happy with my, my sacrifice. It's an interesting pattern that develops there. When you think about the pattern, you see it over and over in Scripture. In, in the book of Exodus, you see the children of Israel. They've left Egypt, and they've come to the very edge of the promise. And they're prepared... Some of them are prepared to go in and take possession of the promise, but others are a little skittish. And they send in the spies, and we know the story. They come back, and, and they, have a, they have ten that give a negative report, and two that give a positive report. And because of this, this wishy-washy back and forth, God says, fine, you're going to spend 40 years in the wilderness. I'm going to break you. And we're going to shed the things that you learned in Egypt. It's an interesting thing, the types and shadows used in the Scripture. Egypt is, is, is a type and shadow of sin. And it's a wonderful, wonderful thing whenever you think about how coming out of sin, they passed through the waters of the Red Sea. And, and, and what followed into the waters, the army, the power of sin, the army of Egypt, followed into the waters. And the Israelites came out on the other side baptized, and the power of sin was broken in the water. What a powerful representation to us. But you know what? I've seen it in my own life. The power of the things that happened to me before baptism, they were broken in the waters, but there were some learned, there were some learned behaviors that I held on to that took some work on my part after baptism, after repentance. And they spent this time in this wilderness shedding some stuff. You, and you know, you know what it really was? They go, they go into the land and they see the milk and honey and they, they come back and they got big old things of grapes and they say, look, it's really cool, but, but we saw the sons of Anak. And then they say this, we were in our own eyes as grasshoppers. They weren't grasshoppers. Anak had about 100 tons. Now, they were really tall, but there were 600,000 men in Israel to deal with that 100 men. But what they saw of themselves it had to be broken. By the time they got to Jericho, though, the pattern was pretty clear. Broken people break forth. If you look at the moment in the walls of Jericho, you need to recognize the pattern. They didn't just show up and sing a song. There was a shout that was raised. There was an outpouring of the 40 years of shedding the brokenness of the life that they had lived on the other side of the Red Sea. There was something that was coming forth out of the brokenness that led to the walls of a city falling before them. The Bible says that there wasn't a stone left on top of a stone. God did the work for them in the moment. And a pattern was established 
because the broken people broke forth. You think about the broken, you can't help but think of the story of Joseph. He thought pretty highly of himself. He had dreams. And he told his brothers, yeah, I know I'm the youngest, but I had a dream that you all bowed down to me. And then some things happened that broke him. And broke him. And broke him. You know, at the end of his life, he understood the truth. He said that there were some who intended the breaking for evil, but God intended it for good. You know, Brother Mann's been teaching on the subject of overcoming offense. And there is no doubt that Joseph stood squarely on the side of those who had been betrayed. Over and over again. Every betrayal brought him to a lower place and it hurt him deeply. You could say that he drank from the wells of bitterness. Look, it's clear. If you read the story of Joseph, it's clear that there was a part of him that was so bitter. The Bible says that whenever his firstborn son came, after he had risen out of the brokenness, he named him Manasseh. He said, because God has healed me from the pain I suffered at the hands of my family. He literally named his child for the moment. The man suffered. It wasn't a small thing. And I will tell you that in the moment, he wasn't thinking, oh, God's got a plan. He wasn't. Come on now. I mean, he didn't do a, a Holy Ghost dance. Shata, God's going to do something. Yeah. He was thrown into a pit. And then he was thrown into slavery. And then he was thrown into a prison. I just wonder. I just wonder that those who have been here with Brother Man over the last few weeks, reliving the bitterness that may still very well be on your lips. Have you ever stopped to consider that you just might be at the point of brokenness that you need to be so you can break forth? It was in the bottom of a prison cell that Joseph came to the moment where his betrayers put him where he could be heard of by Pharaoh. He had to be there. See, the pattern repeats itself in Scripture. You look at, at what Paul says. He tells us to identify with the sufferings of Christ. Now, that's, that's not something that I really, really, that's not one of the points that Paul makes that I really like. I'm not a big fan of that one. He says some other stuff that I really, really enjoy. I don't have a problem when Paul says, look, if anybody comes to you and tell you anything other than what I've, I, have, I have already told you, I kind of like that. I agree with Paul. 
I mean, he's talking about Jesus. The same yesterday, today, and forever. He's talking about the Savior of our soul. That's the, that's the message he said whenever he found the, the, the followers of John the Baptist. He says, that's really cool, but have you heard about this guy, Jesus? How, how you been baptized? I like when Paul starts talking. But I don't really like it when he says you got identity. I have read what they did to Jesus. Come on now. And then there's the story of Jesus himself walking along with the disciples. Come on, boys, let's take a walk. You know, offenses shall come. What what do you mean by that? People are going to say bad stuff about you. They're going to lie on you. They're going to cheat you. And you're going to have to identify with my suffering, so you're going to probably take a beating or two. Now, Lord, I, I don't know that I really want to do that. No, you also have to forgive them. How many times? Every time. You think about the brokenness. You think about what the scripture tells us about these these pieces studying out the disciples and seeing the pattern repeated over and over and over and i i could i could go on for days i mean you know uh jonah followed the same pattern he, to be used, to break forth, he, he had to find the place of brokenness. Uh, you, you go through over and over in Scripture, there's, there's many spots where you see this. David was anointed to be king, but, but to get to, to be king of Israel, he had to be in the wilderness in a, in a cave surrounded by criminals and the outcasts of society and turning his own life over to his enemies. broken before he could break forth. The pattern, the pattern repeats. And then there's that story, you know, where Jesus goes to the cross and the disciples, what do they do? There's this gap between the disciples being the disciples and the disciples being apostles. You know, it was kind of all right when they were following Jesus because he was, if they fell down, he would say, be healed and then, you know, scrape knees, gone, poof, it's good. And if they had questions, they could talk to him. And sometimes he answered, and sometimes he said stuff, and they scratched their head and said, can you just say that a little bit plainer? But he was there, and he was talking to them, and he was present, and they were disciples. But whenever he died, and for those three days, when he wasn't anywhere around, they weren't really disciples anymore. There was nobody to follow. And they sure weren't apostles. I mean, they scattered back to the lives that they had started off with. There was a breaking that had to take place in them. 
Such a breaking that had to take place. You, you, find that, you find that Jesus finally finds Peter on the shores of the Sea of Galilee, and he has this conversation with him. And he's, he says, Peter, feed my sheep. And Peter's like, no! Don't you know what I did? You called me out on it before I did it. You told me I would betray you. I betrayed you, and you want me to do what? They're not even going to listen to me. And on the conversation goes, feed my sheep, feed my feed my lambs. The pattern, repeating, broken people, breaking forth. The day of Pentecost was fully come, and there was a sound from heaven like a rushing mighty wind, and it sat upon each of them, and cloven tongues like fire sat upon them. And they are all filled with the Holy Ghost as the Spirit of God gave the utterance. There was a breaking forth of 120 people who had been broken by the missing Savior, the, 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 the one who died. They, they had to deal with his death. They had to isolate for days. They had to, 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 to go through this doubt period before he showed back up and gave them a path to become apostles. But if they didn't have that brokenness, could they have been apostles? Well, I will tell you this. If he had not been broken, if he had not shed his blood, how would we have access? And I got to identify with that because I need that access. I need that access. It's such a cool story because the pattern just, it just spins. It just goes so fast. In that moment, the Bible tells us that the 120 in the upper room, they began to speak in tongues, and it was like a, a ru mighty rushing wind, the Scripture says, and it filled the whole house, and then it spilled out in the streets, and people started saying, that's a bunch of drunk people. It's the middle of the day. What's going on? And they heard people talking in their own language, praising God, and they knew that person is not from my place. They're not supposed to know my language. And the crowds gathered, and a broken Peter stood up and broke forth. This is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. Oh, my handmaidens, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and daughters shall prophesy, and your old men shall dream dreams, and your young men shall see visions. And the pattern speeds up because he ends it with this. This same Jesus, whom you crucified. And the Bible says they were pricked in their hearts. They were broken. 5,000 people said, what do we got to do? Broken. And then Peter said unto them, repent and be baptized. You got to break. You got to find a breaking point because you're never going to get past this until you get to that breaking point. You're going to have to fall on the, on the rock or the rock's going to fall on you and be baptized in Jesus' name for the remission of your sins. And then what happens? Then we're going to break forth. There's going to be a little Holy Ghost outpouring that's going to take place. See, the break forth always follows. 
But we got to be willing to get to the place where we're willing to accept the breaking. We've got to be willing to go to the place where we can identify with the stuff that we really don't want to. There's going to be a point in our lives where we have to look at the situation and, and recognize it for what it is. I, I don't think that Peter on the first Peter feed my sheep thought anything about what was about to happen. I think all he thought about was his own misery. And I think he was in a hurt and terrible place. And he recognized in the moment, this really is the Christ. This is the risen Savior. And I bailed on him, and now I'm ruined. And now he's just here messing with me. That's what I think. Because <laughs> that's what I'd have done. I don't, I don't know where you are. I don't, I don't begin to, to try to figure out where other people are in the process. You're either somewhere early in the stage and you hadn't been broken yet or you're being in the middle of the breaking right now or, or, or maybe you're in that part where you're broken and you get it and you're about to break forth. I don't know. But I'm going to promise you this. We're all going to follow this cycle. It's a pattern that repeats enough in Scripture for us to stop down and say, this it's primary doctrine. Look, there are things in the Bible that are said once and they're really important. But if it's said twice, you need to perk up and listen. But if it's a pattern that weaves itself through every single story in the Old Testament and new, maybe, just maybe, that's the spot we need to recognize we have to play a part here. We're going to get caught up in this some way, somehow. We need to. We need to be caught up in it. It's vital. If we don't, if we check out in the middle of the breaking and we walk away, we've lost breaking forth. If we get to the point where maybe we have broken forth and everything is fantastic and then things start to shift on us, well, guess what? The cycle repeats. Don't get caught up on the mountaintop. Winds come up there. Listen, I, I, was in, I was in New Mexico this summer, and we were on top of Baldy Mountain. And getting to the top of Baldy Mountain, it, it's, it's painful. I mean, like you take three or four steps and you stop and you <sighs> And we were on top and it was really cool. And I saw this cloud and it was coming our direction. But it's really cool on top of Baldy Mountain. So we hung out. A little too long. We're at 12,463 feet which is really close to clouds. And, and not only is it close to clouds, but whenever the clouds get black and dark and heavy, they start to kind of come down to where you are. You want to stay on top of the mountain too long, a cloud's going to come by and blow you off. I know, I got blown off of that one. Two thousand nineteen I was on top of Baldy Mountain and stayed too long and there was zero seconds between the thunder and the lightning. Zero seconds. Prepare yourself for the pattern. I don't care where you are, it's gonna shift. And as long as it is moving in your life, you know you are where you are supposed to be. 
Because when you're identifying with the sufferings of Christ and you feel like you're down here, you're right where he needs you to be to break forth. And if you're in the middle of the shout and the walls of Jericho are coming down, somebody else is going to see what's happening. And God is going to get glory. But the church has got to be willing to be part of each piece of the puzzle. Listen to this. Isaiah 53, it's a long passage. I hope I can read it where you can not check out and you can listen. He's despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows acquainted with grief. And we hid our faces from him and he was despised and we esteemed him not. Surely he was born of our grief and carried our sorrows. Yet we did not esteem, but we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes were healed. We all like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and he was afflicted. Yet he opened not his mouth. He's brought as a lamb to the slaughter, as a sheep before the shearers is dumb, so he opened not his mouth. He was taken from prison and from judgment, and, and, and who, who shall declare his generation? For he was cut off out of the land of the living. For the transgression of my people, he was stricken. And he made his grave with the wicked and with the rich in his death, because he had done no violence, neither was there deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord. To bruise him, he hath put him to grief. When thou shalt make his soul an offering of sin, he he shall see his seed, he shall prolong his days, and the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hands. It's a powerful reading. It's a very powerful reading. And it's about, it's, it's the prophecy of Jesus. It's, it's not just about what happens to him, but it's about what we do to him. We, us, not just the people who killed him. Right? Because it's our iniquity that he takes on. And, and in, 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 in the action of our sinful nature, in the action of our sin, what we're saying to that moment is, is we're despising what he did. In Hebrews it says, are you going to nail him back to the cross? And when we're in that place, that's what we're doing. So it literally is, 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 is all of us, the passage says. It's the breaking. It's the breaking. But you know, if you got your Bible out and you read Isaiah chapter 53 and then you turn the page, the voice shifts. It starts off kind of like this, sing, O barren. You who do not bear, break forth and sing and cry aloud. Enlarge your tents, for you shall break forth on the right and on the left, and thy seed shall inherit. How powerful is it that the very next chapter, Isaiah writes, when he goes from from the breaking of the Christ, from the Messiah, his breaking, he goes straight into the blessing, the breaking forth. And the next chapter starts like this. Ho, everyone that thirsts, come to the waters. 
And you who have no money, come buy and eat. Yea, come buy wine and milk without money and without price. Why do you spend money for, those, for that which is not bread and your wages for that which does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and let your soul delight itself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Hear and your soul shall live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you, the sure mercies of David, the breaking forth repeated again. It takes two chapters to tell about the blessing that comes from the breaking. 53 is about brokenness, but it takes two chapters to tell the story of the breaking forth, and I'm going to close. Tell the story that's found in Luke chapter 24. Because this, this, this pattern, again, is so evident. It's so powerful. Broken people break forth. So Luke 24, Jesus is, 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 is gone. And, and, and now, now it's past three days and the stories are getting out and some of his followers are saying, the, the story is, is that some of the ladies went to the tomb and he wasn't there. And, and the disciples are saying that they went to the tomb and he wasn't there. And so they're walking along this road uh, between, I don't know, someplace in this other town named Emmaus. And they're going to Emmaus. And, and they find this guy walking along the road and, and, and he says, hey, what's up? I like it when Jesus says, what's up? And so he said, what do you mean? Well, you don't know what's going on? You haven't heard? No, tell me. Tell me what's going on. Well, Jesus, he, 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 was, a, he was a great prophet and a teacher. And, and then they, they, they killed him. And we, we really thought he was going to save Israel. And, and, and now they're saying his body's missing. And the Bible says that... that they don't even know who this man is. It's Jesus right there with them, and they have no clue. And he begins to open up and talk to them about the Scripture. Don't you know that the Scripture says he had to suffer? He lays it out for them, and they're listening. This is pretty cool. like what this guy's got to say. That's just all right. They still don't have a clue who he is. So they get to Emmaus. And they say, hey, stay with us. Let's go get something to eat. And they sit down. And the Bible says that Jesus took bread and he blessed it. And he broke it. And he gave it to them. And the Bible says this. And their eyes were opened. And they knew who he was. And they recognized the pattern. Where are you in the process? How, how is it unfolding for you tonight? Are you ready for a breaking forth? Are you prepared for the moment? You see, even, even when Jesus took the bread, it was a representation of the pattern, the cycle of the life of the Christian. That wasn't the first time that they had seen Jesus with a loaf of bread. They were there whenever he took it on that day when he fed the, 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 the 5,000. He had watched as he had done this same process over and over and over. 
eyes were open. Are your eyes open tonight a little bit? Hallelujah, Jesus. Move in this place, Lord. Let's stand and, 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 and worship the Lord for a minute. I don't, I don't know. There may be somebody here tonight that you are in need of understanding where you are. Maybe you're like those people on the day of Pentecost that heard Peter. And you need a breaking. You need a repentance. You need, you need a moment with God. Maybe you need to get to the waters and be baptized. Maybe you're at that place where it's time to break forth. Maybe you're ready. Maybe you're not ready, but you need to get ready. Maybe you need to understand where you're at. Can we just take a moment, church? Can we reach out? Jesus. Thanks for joining us today. We hope that you were inspired by today's sermon. Connect with the Life Church through our website, TLCDallas.com, and on Facebook and Instagram at TLCDallas. Remember, together we can love God, love people, and make a difference. God bless.